0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pale Kvarteret with me, Lars Iversen, in collaboration with Betsson. I'm going to throw away any time the rest of the episode in English. you so hear Careful, because the rest of it has to be in English. Because we have a guest, and we have a returning guest. The first ever returning guest to the pod. It's Mr. Jonathan Wilson. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me back. What an honor to be the first
1: one to return. Yeah,
0: it is, it is. And because I've had, I think the pod I did with you is probably the one that's got been the most feedback to, after you, you know, savaged hero of the nation, Olga nassil But it wasn't, it was mainly positive feedback, because I think there are quite a lot of uh, the listeners here, and a lot of football fans in Norway who have clocked on to the fact that he might not be the, the smartest, the, the best manager in the world, certainly, and to so, hear some reasoned criticism, which you might not always get in the Norwegian media, I think there was a real market for that. But if there was some backlash to your complete dismissal of, of super Frankie Lampard and his pedigree, at Chelsea, I've got a number of Chelsea fans who listen, who have mess- messaged me. Several of them, anyway. Can we revisit uh, your comments when you dismissed Frank Lampard and Olga Salcher as the two worst managers in the league a few months down the line? How do you feel about that assessment?
1: Uh, like Dean Smith might be one of them close, in fairness. Uh, um obviously did very well with the two games against Tottenham and against United, against uh, City. Sorry. Um, but both games, he was able to sit deep and play on the counter, um, and you got to give him credit f- for that. But the the difficult thing in modern football is structuring an attack. That's what sets Klopp and Guardiola apart. And you know, as soon as he you know he comes off the back of those two great counter attacking wins, they face Everton, and they can't break him down, and they draw one one. So yeah, things there's been an upturn recently. I'm still not convinced that he has the tactical brain of, of the very, very highest level to structure an attack in the way you need to. And, you know, it is, it is true that he's had a lot of injuries and, and the absence of Pogba is is critical for them. So there are mitigating circumstances, but I don't think, I don't think I've think i seen anything that's changed my mind about Solskjaer. Lampard, I've been even more confirmed in what I thought. Uh, and he can't structure a midfield to defend either. So if you if you look at derby last season they conceded more goal a higher proportion of goals on the counter than any other team in the championship and the second highest proportion of shots this season in the premier league they concede the f- fourth highest proportion of shots to go to you know to to counter attacks um their twenty 24% you know their, their their proportion of goals conceded on the counter or of of shots conceded on the counter is 24% higher than is average in the league And their proportion of shots conceded from set plays is 14% higher than the rest of the league. Now, they're the two things that require rigorous, structured training and regular drilling on the training pitch. And it appears Chelsea can't do it because this is one of those nerdy numbers that I've looked at a lot this
0: season so far, is the sort of um, uh, passes, uh, and the number of passes you allow the opponent to make in their half before they're subjected to a defensive action. It's a sort of a very rough way of measuring how effectively you press, I guess. And and Chelsea, as Darby before, they press quite a lot, but they also concede a large number of shots, which suggests that you're trying to press them high, but you're not doing so effectively. And I guess if you're failing to do that, probably better not to press high at all. Um,
1: maybe, yeah, I mean... It, well, whatever, whatever solution you, you choose, that that is the problem. And this is even though they've got N'Golo Kante in the team, who's probably the best defensive midfielder in the world. OK, he's not playing right at the back of midfield anymore, but in terms of his energy, in terms of the way he covers ground, in terms of his reading of the game, he's as good as there is. Now, his form hasn't been great. There's all the issues going on in France with the legal case against his former um, image rights representative. Um, there's some very strange stories there uh so you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll it, it may be because of that or it may be after four seasons have been consi- con, you know consistently absolutely brilliant it may be had a slight dip which you're entirely entitled to, to have but even with that player they're still struggling with that and i think what you've seen with chelsea's downturn and their fluency in the last five games you know they've, they've lost four of the last five games that downturn in fluency may well be a result of lampard trying to to correct that issue and not really being able to do it yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go
0: so far as to say that you were you were widely lampooned, but there was some lampooning when you suggested earlier this season that the reckoning was coming uh, for Frank. But now we see there is certainly uh, something that is very much shaped like a reckoning heading towards him. TikTok, tock <laughs> tick indeed. But it is odd talking about these two. I think they reflect a more general trend that we're seeing in the Premier League this season is that there are so many inexperienced managers in charge of, of really big clubs. We have these two guys, obviously, but now Mikel Arteta to Arsenal can confirm today.
1: Is there's a trend and what does it mean? It, it does appear to be a trend and the idea of appointing former club legends seems to be back in fashion. Uh, this idea that people who know the DNA of the club... And I, I I think that's one of those things where it's more of a problem than the negative if you don't get the DNA of the club. So Roy Hodgson, who's somebody for whom I have a, a lot of respect and a lot of time, uh, was not the right fit for Liverpool and was almost sort of um, willfully, um, will, you know, almost willfully refused to fit in. So your first press conference as Liverpool manager, you pay homage at the shrine of Shankly and Paisley and Dalgleish. And not to do so is you know, why would you not? They were great managers. Acknowledge they were great managers, and you yeah, have a style of football that Hodgson played when you when you first moved to, to Sweden was not dissimilar. The principles were not dissimilar to, to Paisley's style of football. Mention that, you know, wh- why not? What's the harm in doing it? But Hodgson seemed to gonna kind of go out of his way to avoid that, and so you know, that wasn't the only issue. But it just seemed a needless, um, a needless cussedness on his part. Can
0: we also I almost draw par- parallels to Big Sam's stint at Everton, where it seemed like he wasn't willing to to take on board any sort of critical thinking about his way of going about things, but rather was on a personal mission to explain and show why everyone else was wrong, almost.
1: Uh, I mean, yes and no. The, th- the thing with Big Sam is that every club he's been at, he's left in a better position than he took him over. Um, you know, Even Everton looked like they might go down under David Unsworth, and he comes in and relegation... Is no longer a threat. As a Sunderland fan, I haven't seen, a, you know, I haven't seen a better manager of Sunderland since Peter Reid. I think, I think that actually might be true. Um, you know, when he left to take the England job, Sunderland felt in a healthier position than they'd they'd been in well over a decade. But it, you
0: mentioned this of knowing the club. That's another concept it's easy to make fun of, right? Because there's, there's a lot of, like, the tea lady knows the club really well. She should probably not be in charge of it, right? I mean, what, what did these guys actually bring to the table?
1: Well, uh, you know, with, with Solskjaer, like, clearly uh, coming after Mourinho, that, that immediate kick in form was partly because he said the right things about Ferguson. He restored to the club a sort of sense of purpose. And, you yeah, fans were very willing to give him time. Obviously, Lampard does that at Chelsea. That... Chelsea this season are doing much much worse than they did under Sarri last season. Last season everybody was moaning all the time. This season it's oh, look at the kids. Oh, aren't we playing great attacking football? Yeah, but you're not going to finish third in the league. You're not going to win the Europa League. We're well, not in the Europa League. Uh, but certainly not going to win the Champions League. Um, you know they're going to have a worse season this season than they had last season, and they're going to come out a bit happier, which is weird. Um, the problem is that, that 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 can sustain you for so long and only so long. And I think the thing we've seen with Duncan Ferguson at Everton. As a, as a caretaker manager for three or four games, give everybody a kick up the arse, get back to basics, remind fans what they love about the club. That's really, really useful. The fact he seems to have got Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing properly, that's a huge positive as well. And you would hope that if he does end up serving under Carlo Ancelotti, which appears to be the way things are going at the moment, that him sort of coming out of his shell almost in the last two or three weeks, he can continue to do that without sort of undermining Ancelotti. And that combination of... Ancelotti, the sophisticated, very relaxed, laid-back European, and Ferguson, the angry, passionate, dyed-in-the-wool Evertonian Scott, That Scott, that, that, that combination might actually be just what you need. If Ancelotti's failing is a lack of intensity, nobody's ever said that about Duncan Ferguson, apart from all those games for Evan when he played rubbish, which nobody talks about anymore.
0: This is an interesting point because I... Wrote a, well, I've written about Ancelotti. He's not been published yet because he hasn't been announced yet. And I was looking at his biography, which is really good and it was really funny. And the foreword by Paolo Maldini, where Maldini talks about how he gives players a lot of responsibility, and even mentions, like, in the foreword to the man's autobiography, that there have been players over the years who have taken advantage of that freedom of that responsibility. But he, but Maldini says, but we were very quick to put them right. Do you think, like, at Everton, for instance, it'll be Duncan Ferguson who will be the Maldini character, <laughs> putting them right and not taking them? mick out of Ancelotti and his, uh, his
1: chilled out way of, of being Well if, if it is going to work I think that's how it will work um, I think Ancelotti at Bayern uh, you know, his more laid back approach to training in the short term was a very good thing after the intensity of Guardiola and the players responded to that and then after a while they started thinking, hang on we're, we're not very fit and we don't really do any tactical training and actually what, what's this bloke doing and Ancelotti's not stupid he must know that he went too far then but equally he spent sixteen complete seasons at elite level clubs and he's only won four league titles. He's the man who's PSG manager when Montpellier won the league. He's the man who was Real Madrid manager when Atletico won the league. So that suggests a lack of drive uh which is fine, right? Not I mean it's not fine if you manage a football club. Uh on or you know it, it means that your your outcomes are going to be different having a lack of drive is probably one of the reasons why he's such a nice bloke.
0: But you know, is that not a concern if you're Everton and what you want to achieve is to somehow put together a team that's more than some of their parts. They can punch above their waist. They can finish higher in the league than the teams that have more money than them. Do you want a sort of laid-back entertainer who's who's kind of a nice guy but also equally focused on checking out the culinary scene on Merseyside? <laughs> is, is that really the best solution you can come up with?
1: I mean, probably not. You know, Ancelotti's never... Never had a club of Everton stature. You know, he was at Reggiana, who were obviously lower than Everton stature. He was at Parma, but Parma in the days of, of Crespo and Chiesa and Zola. Um, and then you know, a series of elite clubs. Uh, maybe there's some kind of parallel between Napoli and Everton, but Napoli were finishing second in the league and genuinely could have won Serie A if Juve had, had really messed up. Everton are fighting for sixth. And they've got the new stadium to move into, which can be a boost for clubs, or it can, as we've seen with with Arsenal, be a real drain. And you know what it is for Tottenham, we'll we'll find out. Uh, so he, he's never had this kind of project. We just don't know. Um, but yeah, I would be very concerned if it's just him. I'd be very concerned if it's just Ferguson. Somehow the two together seem to have the makings of a very good managerial pairing. I'm I'm absolutely not convinced by this. But I am intrigued by it. And I guess this is why the EBA rumours actually make perfect sense, because like, otherwise
0: you'd think Everton bringing in like a guy who's almost 40 and was last seen looking really slow in MLS, but at least he's a guy who will take no prisoners on the training ground and this sort of thing. But, but uh, on the
1: subject of managers and situations we know nothing yeah, about... Let's go on the subject of this last okay. time. It's, Are you not having this? It would be an insane thing to do. The cost of it <laughs> would be a total nonsense. Everton's strength at the minute is Calvert-Lewin and it's Tom Davis, who's the kids. What you don't want is some big ego coming in, going raw. Rams Latan, ooh lion, ooh nonsense, and making it all about him. Make it about the team. Make it about the structure. Go back to the Dogs of War of the nineties. That's the DNA of Everton, or it is in you know in, in recent memory and fans' recent experience. The team of the sixties was a much more uh, considered passing. School. school of science, school of science, exactly. Um, yeah, they can have the Dogs of War again. They need we need a couple more midfielders. Tom Davis is doing the job of three men at the minute. But that's a pretty obvious thing that can be resolved by either players getting fit or, or signings.
0: Okay, so nixing the Ebra theory. Just before what I was going to segue to, Very, it would have been an elegant segue because you just said something about we just don't know. Because another thing that we just don't know is what does actually Mikel Arteta bring to the table at
1: Arsenal? Uh, he's very highly respected. He was nicknamed coach when he was a player there. He's obviously very studious. People say he's ruthless. He's very highly respected by by Wenger and, and by Guardiola, which they're two pretty good references. Um, he's inexperienced but for somebody who's never managed uh, you know never had frontline manager experience before he's probably got as good a CV as you can get and the question I would have is if he's the right man now why wasn't he the right man you know the summer before last that appointment with Emery looks increasingly bizarre yeah,
0: and I suppose he's coming in. He wants to bring his his pepism. Presumably, we don't know, but that would make sense to sort of graduate all that way. And he takes over in the middle of winter when you have no time on training ground and the weather
1: is bad, and it's all a bit of a mess. And you've got a shocking squad, and you've got a who's one of your two or three decent players wanting to leave. No, it's a the whole thing is a shambles. If it goes wrong, it probably, it almost certainly will not be Arteta's fault. If it goes right. Then it's going to have been taken a miracle from him, but maybe maybe he can do that. It, it just seems it's so funny that we
0: have managers that we're talking about, like Lampard, like Solskjaer, like Arteta, all these guys who are now in charge of really big clubs with massive budgets and everything, who have almost never done the job before. That's harsh on Solskjaer; he's been in Norway, I know, but like this idea that these experienced guys who you can trust, who can do a job, are just not—you don't see them really. It's
1: very odd. Well, who are they though? They sort of died off now. Yeah, the. the, the that generation is is kind of past its peak, and I think the Klopp Guardiola generation is sort of now the hegemony, and it's the people following them that the clubs are like Arsenal have to look for.
0: And do you think there's something about like the way the the cycle moves that the way people now are either geniuses or frauds, right? So anyone who doesn't do well somewhere, they're a fraud and they're terrible, and they must you know go off and do penance in League One or something. And they, they, there's no way of like. Having any sort of marginal misstep and then and then recovering anymore almost
1: well is back and we'll see how that goes um, but yeah that's that's an issue that one slip and you're gone no no chance to kind of uh, rectify your mistake.
0: Ah, that's the alarm. You know how it goes. You stop talking immediately. I've recently had significant discipline issues. I've gone over uh, the time so many times. We're not going to do that today. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Jonathan. Uh, maybe, I hope one day, you will also be the first guest to re- recur a third time. talk för förlås.